Bill is a failed skydiver and a bear sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's PHP Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, PHP Town Hall. Ben created Eye on Off, he's a comic book fanatic. Phil made Pyro CMS, he's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's PHP. Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, PHP, Town Hall. Hello, everybody. You're not seeing me because, am I muted? Yeah, it looks like it. Can you hear me? No, I'm not. No, the microphone is enabled on the wrong laptop for some strange reason, so you can see the audience when we speak. Um, welcome to PHP Town Hall, episode 26, allegedly from Fort uh, range PHP user group, but it's actually the front range PHP user group. But um, I thought we'd leave the typo as a, as a, as a, as a lovely Easter egg. Um, and I have no idea what's going on. And this is the theme of today's podcast. So uh, this is the that's actually the theme of every podcast here. Oh, excellent! Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I keep looking up at the big screen. You guys look on the big screen. It's much more in- interesting than this one. So uh, that's as much intro as I'm doing. That sounds good. Well, thank you for having us. Um, uh, yeah, you guys seem seem super excited about about the pizza there, and uh, I'm sad I haven't got any of that myself. Um, so today we are talking about. Well, I guess we're talking about code. Um, do any of you guys do that? Um, I'm just testing to see if anyone's awake. But um, <laughs> yeah, so we kind of don't really have a plan for this one so much as uh, as. As kind of the plan was we're going to talk about some things, but it's going to be kind of a, a bit of a forum. Um, so if anyone has a topic they would like us to discuss, me and Ben will see what we can do about pulling it out of our asses, and then we can give you all some interesting information, probably. So if, would anyone like to have a little stab at a, at a suggestion for a topic? We've got, got somebody who needs a little bit of ushering up. If someone can just get him in a headlock and drag him towards the, the working laptop, that'll be... Come on, lads. It is physically impossible for us to bite you through this computer. Can you hear me? <laughs> can you hear me? Yes. Hello. Okay, so my question is about frameworks. If you had to deploy for an enterprise a new framework that's going to last 10 years, what would you pick? Oh, that's tricky. Do you want to have a little go, Ben? I'm going to say Rails. Uh, this is the PHP meetup, right? No. Are you just doing that to troll, or do you feel like you have uh, valuable insight we're all missing? No, I'm trolling. I'm totally trolling. Uh, ten years, I would probably go with um, Symphony, personally, even though it's not my personal pick. Um, I but a more serious answer would be... Nothing's going to last 10 years, and I probably wouldn't even try to, to make it last 10 years. Does that make sense? I didn't hear that. I didn't hear the whole thing, the whole question you asked, sorry. The microphone's this laptop. Oh, hello? No, I did not hear you. Okay. <laughs> what I said was that first I, I tried to troll a little bit, but then my, uh, my real answer was first I would try to dissuade anyone from trying to sell a framework as being relevant for 10 years. Because it's rare for them to be. I mean, there is like, a, you know, something that's been around a while, but they went through iterations. And I'd say they're the same framework they started as. So um, I would just try to pick one for longevity's sake if that was a serious concern. So if you look at the history of them, probably something is going to be your best bet with longevity. That doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be your, your best choice. Um, sorry, it's a hard decision because it really depends on your current use case and what your application is going to be. If something that's going to be stagnant after five years, then it really doesn't matter because it's uh, no, uh, the app's there. there. We have oh, Symphony. We are off to a little bit of a rocky start, I recognize, but I reckon we'll get there. This, this should be a fairly fun format, but we're, we are working on it a little bit. So, did you hear my answer, Phil? Did it come through? Yeah, Ben, I got you. Got you All right, way. what's your answer, Phil? So, my answer to that same question would basically be the same as yours. Um, I think any major framework, um, 
the entire project itself won't necessarily be alive in 10 years. Um, we've, we've seen uh, various ones rise to meteoric fame and then uh, vanish in a cloud of, of dust and embarrassment in the space of only a couple of years. Um, so an entire, if, if you can't rely on an entire project being around 10 years, um, then trying to hope that one uh, significant major version will be around for 10 years is certainly not, not the case. Um, if you are looking for something that will definitely be around in 10 years, then build it in Fortran. So. <laughs> <laughs> You cannot, you cannot get rid of that shit if you try. The entire financial services of the UK is still running on Fortran and COBOL, so maybe go with that. Uh, do we have any, any more? Do we have anything else? We can, we can maybe skip on a little bit. I've got a few backup questions, but uh, yes, here we go. Oh, uh, I, I have a question. Um, for, uh, I guess for a project working on, um, there's, we have like kind of a, a legacy, well, like a legacy, site that's running on Codeigniter 1.7 something and we want to move it to like a, like Laravel 4 and I'm just wondering if there's any um, suggestions or like tips that might make that change um, uh, easier. Alright, so my advice is usually just don't. Um, there's very few cases where it's actually worth porting a legacy app in my opinion. Um, the exception would be if it's something that you're either going to, to sell directly the code base, so like maybe an open source project where the code base is the product in a lot of ways, or something that you're just going to be supporting for years down the road and it, it seems worth the investment in time now for the benefits later. Um, but Phil actually has some uh, experience doing this, so he might have better insights than I do. Um, you definitely don't ever want to port anything. I, I feel Ben's answer was mostly um, revolving around uh, is it worth the port? Is it worth going through the hassle? Um, assuming, assuming that you have decided that it is worth the hassle of kind of moving your application across from one to the other, um, I, would, I would strongly suggest that you just consider it a rewrite and, and you essentially start from scratch using the original more as a kind of pseudo-code design um, and you put a little bit more time into just building a new thing, um, because some of the ways that coding notes are, some of the some of the stuff like the, uh, the the models and the active record and various things like that were actually kind of shitty in terms of design patterns. Um, like coding notes are just generally flagrantly ignored established design patterns consistently. Um, so if you can just use it as a suggestion and a kind of a planning step, um, then that might be better. If you are going to try and do a rewrite, I really strongly recommend that you cover your application with integration tests. So maybe not unit test. Um, Larry Garfield did a really great quote, which was, um, if, uh, when you're trying to rewrite an application, um, if you could unit test the entire application, you wouldn't need to rewrite it. Um, and that's really true. Like You probably can't unit test your, your um, coding vector application, but you can definitely use Behat and Mink to make sure that when you run, when you hit this URL, when you log into the form, when you fill out these values and click search, that that actually works. Um, and if you can do that with your coding motor application and then make those same tests all work with the recode as you move it across to Laravel, then that's a really, really very easy way to, to move across. But if you just try and like, you know, find and replace con controllers and various different classes, without any tests, you're gonna have a really, really bad time. Yeah, thank you. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah they're coming. They, they just sit down. Yeah, <laughs> I had to get up. Um, so you were mentioning about doing integration tests instead of unit tests, which brings about my question of what would you suggest for an integration test platform, like a framework for that? Yes, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, you picked me. You picked me. Um, I, I only recently discovered Mink. I've been using Behat for a really long time, um, and I used Behat for a really long time, nine months. Um, I've been using Behat because it's a really nice, uh, simple way. If you use Behat and Gherkin, um, I don't know if you've seen Behat, you get to like write out really simple text that says, when I call this URL as a get, and I and um, uh, I expect this data to come back, when I when I send this JSON to this URL as a patch, I expect a 401 or a 200. That's really simple for APIs. 
Um, for actual applications, there's a lot of other stuff that you need to do. When I fill in this text box, when I, uh, when I select this on a dropdown, when I do all these complicated user interactions, um, Mink is actually there provided as like a, an add-on to the Hatton Gherkin that takes care of all that shit for you. Um, so you can literally just write these simple little text files and just write, when I go to the slash login page, uh, given I enter username and password of this, do I log in? And you can go through and complete all these really, really complex actions um, just using the hat and mink. And that's really good fun. Um, mink itself is a abstraction layer. Um, it basically, mink provides the, the that, Mint provides to Gherkin the ability for you to write those phrases in English, and then underneath it abstracts that stuff out to uh, to various different um, various different engines. I can't think of the right word, but you have Gout underneath there, which is really fun to work with directly if you want to play around. And it's um, it's kind of like using jQuery in a way, where you can say like, when I select this and this. Um, it can either run on top of Gout, or it can run on top of Selenium or PhantomJS, I think, and all these different systems underneath that emulate a user clicking around and messing around with your website and breaking it. So, Behat, Mink, maybe Gout, maybe Selenium, maybe PhantomJS. But if you start looking into those tools, um, then you'll be able to make an integration test suite for your for your whole application, even if it's complicated, very easily. Cool. Thank you. Uh, ben, do you have anything on that, or do you? Is your code basically so awesome that you don't even need to? I've actually never had anything like in the code I've written myself. That's a flagrant lie, because I've worked <laughs> in your code base. Uh, but no, nothing to add. Actually, I haven't seen that, so I had to check that out. But sounds cool. I just noticed that my name was backwards, and no one, no one told me. You guys are terrible. What? <laughs> It just looks that way to you. It doesn't look that way to us. Is it backwards now? Am I backwards? Ah, what's going on? It just looks that way to you. Okay, carry on. <laughs> so uh, my question is um, related to the uh, PHP. How do you think it's working out? We are celebrating our fifth birthday today. Yay! Um, no one cares, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I think the thing's actually working out fairly well. I, I do feel like it's been a very rocky road, and over the last year or so, we managed to establish a few more bylaws, which which help us peacefully coexist as, as human beings a little bit better. Um, it's it's been very slow the last couple of months because getting the last couple of PSRs out were like pulling teeth. <laughs> it almost seemed like getting blood out of a stone, which is pretty much where the cash proposal is. We're, look, we're looking on, we're facing down the barrel of our third year on the cash proposal and then every single week someone goes, oh, I've just come up with this new list of changes that I haven't mentioned in the last three years. Yay. Um, so there's definitely, definitely some problems. And I think there's definite burnout issues where people just get to the point of saying, well, just fuck it. Um, but on the whole, things are looking pretty good. Um, the PSR 7 for the HTTP message spec is... Uh, it's getting kicked off a little bit again. It was on draft. Uh, the guy making the HTTP message spec is uh, is Michael Dowling, who uh, you may well know from Guzzle fame. Uh, he he was basically working on getting Guzzle four out, and that was a quite a big rewrite, to be fair. So there was documentation, a whole new website, all that all that shit that goes along with it. Um, he had to do a lot of that stuff, and now that he's finished, he's basically come back to to have another try. And we're going to try and push PSR 7 through in the next couple of months. So, um, with HTTP message started, um, we can then start working on HTTP client, which could mean things like your package does uh, will instantly out of the box support. Uh, if you need to make web requests, instead of saying, okay, here's an adapter to work with Buzz, here's an adapter to work with Guzzle, here's an adapter to work with requests, you just say, I support you know any PSR 7 package. And, uh, and then it will work instantly with all of them. So HTTP client is going to be a really big win for us, but it's going to take a while to get there, I reckon. Awesome. How do you how do you feel about the fig, Sam? What are what are your what what do you think's come out of it that you that you like? Or well, let's be clear. No one cares what I think. But um, anyway, because I'm 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 good at I think it was excellent. 
uh, it is um, it's a goal, but getting there through the PHP culture is the most difficult thing, as we've seen with kind of applying this to um, the PHP side or the engine side and everything like that. It's much more about culture than it is about solving technical problems. PHP, I, I've always said, is kind of a pure open source project because the spec, the features, they come from the community, not from a benevolent dictator like most other languages. And that is naturally hurting cats, so it's naturally, I think, makes it a superior language in, in that um, you really get features that the community wants and not just what someone thinks the community wants. Um, but then it's really hard because you get bike-shedded to death in the PhD community, and, and that's just the way it is. Um, I think the process is the thing that will evolve, and I think once you get a few leaders coming out, and you know, that would help, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think everyone's been waiting for leaders in all these projects for a long time, and they get eventually, they, I think they get executed by the community. Uh, I love it, I like the, the cash standard, and I just keep waiting them to come out. That's, that's what I wait for. Um, uh, and, and on that tangent, how, what do you think about what's going on in the PhD world with the PhD and G stuff? Sure. Um, <laughs> so, I don't, I don't know if I have enough of an opinion to say anything, but I'm just going to talk about it anyway. Uh, it really, it just goes down to the really shitty, shitty politics list and everything I've seen. So Zen tries to basically bully their way through with their own kind of passion projects, and then they step away for months at a time when they don't need anything instead of being kind of the real leader. Um, all the real innovation has came from outside of Zend in recent memory. Not to say they don't contribute, but it feels like with the NG thing, they're really just trying to really just bully their way through for something they need, and it's not something the community wants. For those that don't know, the, the kind of background behind it is uh, Zend is trying to knock out an RFC that will hurt their an internal project they've been working on. The RFC is being voted on by both engine contributors and just PHP contributors, or those with voting rights in the mailing list. And uh, Zid is encouraging those that are not engine contributors not to vote, which is or to pull out their existing votes, which is a bit of a, a finger to open source in that your opinion should matter just as much whether or not you're an engine contrib or just a basic contrib or whatever. Um, most people's eyes. So in my eyes as well, it's, it's them kind of trying to, to bully what they went through. Um, I don't, there's not really a solution. It's kind of the, the messy thing that happens when companies and people all come together to work on the same project without any sort of leadership. Something that's just going to happen. How do you parallel that with Facebook and their initiatives? Uh, with their momentum, aren't they going to be basically overtaking Zen as the most relevant company in the I don't think they will, simply because I don't think they want to. Um, Zen has, or Facebook rather, they have a real use for HHVM, but I don't see any leadership by them to try to, to take that spot in the community. They're kind of releasing their own thing, and they're like, here it is, you can use it if you want to, but we're going to continue with what we need over here. And there's a few people there that are kind of proselytizing in the community, but it doesn't seem to be a, a focus of theirs to take that role. And then there's the, the big concern of what happens in two years when Facebook gets bored or when they have enough of their infrastructure over into to C sharp or whatever else they're using, do they just drop it then? Personally, I don't think they'll end up taking that role, although it would be really interesting, you know, it'll probably propel the language. Um, I really just hope that it kind of puts some pressure on the existing engine to evolve a lot faster. Uh, so obviously I completely disagree with everything you just said. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, like I, I actually mostly agree with Ben. Um, one thing I disagree with a little bit is that PHPNG is something that people don't really want. I feel like PHPNG is going to be very important for us because it it's offers a lot of the same performance gains that uh, HHVM does while still being kind of very much in line with, with the code base. So pretty much, you know, Zend made the, the Zend engine that's currently in PHP, and Zend have now made another engine, a new and improved version, that they can just slip into PHP theoretically 
um, and everyone gets instant, faster performance gains. Yay, everyone's websites are faster with no effort. Um, that sounds awesome. You don't have to worry about like switching over to HHVM and having different support or anything else. Um, but the trouble is that Ben is spot on about the bullying aspect, as far as I see it. Um, basically, there's been a few patches being worked on. There's 64-bit support on one side, uh, which is pretty, pretty handy. And there's, uh, there's HBNG on the other side. And uh, as, as the kind of breakdown uh, seems to be, um, yeah, the 64-bit patch uses 4 to 8% more memory, but has uh, on CPU, it either has no effect, or in some instances, is actually quicker on CPU. So there's a 4% increase in memory, um, but it does use, does use uh, a little bit less CPU. If you think about it, we've been using less memory and less CPU for a really long time now over the last 5.3, whilst memory is getting drastically faster and drastically cheaper. And we've got DDR4 and all that other shit now. So if, you, if we just got 4% and support 64-bit um, numbers throughout the whole system, that seems good to me. I mean, I'm fine with that. Uh, but on the other hand, we have a PHP MG patch. I'm reading this shit straight off of somebody else. Um, <laughs> we have 20% uh, memory uh, deduction and we have a 10 to 30% um, CPU reduction. So the PPNG patch reduces things quite drastically. It reduces memory and CPU, which is awesome. And the 64-bit patch has some small benefits in some circumstances, and just kind of you know keeps things roughly the same in others. So to me, and to a lot of other people on the core team that know more than I do, um, I say core team, I just randomly have a vote, whatever, internals in general. There's a lot of people that think it would be great to have both. Most people, in fact, think it would be great to have both. But there are a lot of people that are basically fighting and saying, uh, mine should go in first. No, mine should go in first. And I use the example of, like, in the UK, you'll have people get into a fight over, you go through the door first. No, you go through the door first. And they'll just stand there opening it until they get pissed off at each other. Um, whereas uh, what seems to be happening with this lot is... Um, <laughs> There's a whole bunch of people saying it would be good if we could, you know, work on getting this integrated, and we can either put it into the master branch, or we can we can put the 64-bit patch into the later branch. We can work on one of them. What do you reckon? And Zen just shouting, that, sitting there shouting, "Fuck you! Keep away from our patch. We're putting this in first. We're Zen. We own this show." And they're just kind of throwing their weight around and telling everyone to pull their votes. And and uh, no, I, sorry, until until you actually stop letting me vote. I'm going to vote for the thing that makes sense. Um, so it would, it would just make sense if they can just drop the 64-bit patch in with a couple of tweaks if they need it, and then factor that into PHPNG. Because PHPNG is such a massive rewrite that you can't just block every single feature that might possibly go into PHP until PHPNG is merged, just on the off chance that it causes them some problems down the line. Especially when PHPNG was developed completely behind closed doors without any real insight as to what's going on, and they just go, boom, PHPNG, mic drop, fuck you if you have any problems with it. Like, it's a really weird way to go about doing open source. It's a really weird way to go about democracy. Um, and just saying, you're actually not important enough or intelligent enough to have any say in what happens in this specific vote, but you can go and vote on whether you like this syntactic sugar or not. <laughs> it's like a really weird thing to do. I don't understand that. So now, the way I understand it, so there's no reason they can't do 64 and then NG, right? It just means a little more dev time on NG. That's as I understand it, they just don't like the idea of doing more work. Okay, yeah, and that's where the real kind of dramas came up, right? It's just because they, they try to get people to vote on 64 when nobody really knows much about NG until recently, right? I also, you know, if you've ever done performance improvements, if someone takes away percentages, I think that's probably uh, part of the sin as well. And I'm sure they were hoping for a big marketing drop as well. Oh, look at all the orbits that we've done. Uh, and, and, you know, is, is Zend Engine even still open source? Did they eventually do that? Because it was just gifted to people at one point, right? It was pretty much just gifted. I'm not totally sure how the open source license works for the engine itself. Um, I assume it's just rolled into the core, so, you know, patch away. I don't know, ask someone else. Actually, Rasmus is sat just next to me. He can actually tell Hey, Rasmus, can you? Oh, no, wait, no, I'm just drunk. Uh, although, oh, you're right, it's 2 o'clock in the morning here, and my jokes are pretty shoddy, I've been keeping awake for you guys. 
Well, it's partly your fault that you got the time zone wrong once again. Yeah, but getting the time zone wrong didn't mean that it's suddenly earlier. It just means <laughs> I'm still awake at the same time. I've just had to go to the pub for an extra hour before him. It's um, a hard life. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. But speaking of sitting next to Rasmus, I'll turn that shit joke into a segue. Um, if I talked, Ben, if I talked on the podcast before about uh, about hanging out with Rasmus and actually realizing I like him a lot more than I thought I did. It's, it's hard to say because you name drop Rasmus every chance you get ever since South Africa. And, um, right, well, that's, that's why I was asking. That's why I was asking. Because <laughs> I've out that he's awesome. I think you uh, mentioned it, but let's go ahead and recap because why not? Well, since then, I see it come up quite a few times. And um, yeah, like people are just saying, you know, uh, they complain about Rasmus, they complain like he hates Oop, and they complain that he's stuck in the past or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I might have explained on episode 24, I don't remember any of that episode, but uh, <laughs> I explained that like he gets asked the same questions every every single time, every every user group, every conference, every interaction. People are say, what do you think about hack? What do you think about uh, uh, HHVM? What, uh, why, why is it called PHP? All these same fucking questions over and over again. Which is your favorite framework? None of them. Um, all these things. And like I started to realize that because he gets asked the same questions over and over again, he shorted down his very uh, interesting, like uh, accurate uh, answer from like, oh well, actually, I feel that in some cases, template engines may well be uh, may well be a good idea. Not not many uh, use cases, but here is one example. Uh, he's now shorting it down to like, just fuck it, don't use them ever. And everyone goes, oh, Rasmus hates templating engines, and half the people say we should never use them, and other people say. You know, ah, fuck him for not liking them. I actually like them sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I feel like that is why he is very much a black and white. But uh, there is somebody there sculling a can of something, and he looks like he might want to ask a question. So, uh, go ahead. Tell me how to get a job. Tell me how to get a job as a PHP developer, how to successfully pass through all the telephone interviews, the stand-in interviews, and all this and that, and forget all the standards and whatnot for just, like, one second. Tell me how to get a job because I'm freely jobbable. And that would be fantastic. And I'm selling Coors Light. I was going to say, stop wasting all your money on Coors Light, and then you wouldn't need to. I'm not wasting any money. I am here at Fruit or what's the friendly name for it? FR Front Range. Front Range, thank you. Uh, <laughs> PHP user group meeting, drinking free alcohol, eating free pizza, enjoying a free show. And I would love for you to tell me how to get a job as a PHP developer. Assuming I am. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Good question. Um, I am going to go for it because I like the sound of my own voice. Um, I, my path was pretty much just like, I had a shit job as like a junior developer for a, a big financial services company doing like fucking, there was an error, there's a typo on the homepage. So I, I would fix that typo and it's only half a day to get through the political RFC process of writing out fucking four, four or five forms and it was shit. Um, so pretty much just like releasing code, blogging, getting involved in open source, sending pull requests, all of that shit, you would be amazed how quickly um, it can get your name out there. Um, and, and getting your name out there is more than just ego points. It is genuinely really useful. Um, in, for example, in the Pirate CMS community, um, we had three people join the core team and eventually get paid to be on the team. Um, just purely because they were they were sending so many pull requests that so we were like, dude, you, we, should, we need to pay you now. Um, doesn't happen very often, but people will notice you. If you blog and show how clever you are, you have a lot better chance of getting picked up than just being like quietly awesome in your own, own little office. Well, that's following along with the idea that it seems like most PHP developers are these opportunistic or opportunity creators, you know, rather than being employed. Uh, so I've been an opportunity creator for, you know, I've been developing for the longest time, at least it seems like to me, since 2001 or so. And uh, I would rather just be employed, specifically employed, rather than being an opportunity creator and, you know, throwing out pull requests until somebody suggests that I should be paid to do a pull request or something along those lines. But, like, actually specifically targeting getting employed, is there any advice you could provide in that area? Otherwise, you know, I mean, most of us PHP developers, we are on the internet and we see everything that goes on and we're, like, right here right now and we see it. So we say, oh, this would be better if we just changed it or modified it a little bit present this to the individual that's responsible or benevolent or whatever you guys might have been talking about. I've been drinking a couple. And then 
they say, oh, that would be better. Well, how about you pay me and I'll help you make this better or whatever. Rather than being an opportunity creator or finder, maybe perhaps suggest some advice to getting employed rather than, you know, because what closed source opportunity has a GitHub out there that you can do a pull request to? Fair. Uh, good question. So, yeah, one of the things is that um, that's kind of a slow play. Uh, obviously, if you're kind of looking for a job next month and uh, you're sending pull requests. Or last month. <laughs> right, looking for a job last month. Um, so, yeah, having the GitHub portfolio as well as kind of just you know, being a slow play is also good for um, a portfolio. Just like a designer has a portfolio, you kind of have that. Um, but moving past the kind of having code on display aspect, um, if you have improvements, just I think one thing might be just go and tell people what your improvements are. Like, I've got in touch with a lot of projects and been like, hey, uh, so I've noticed you have these bugs, this problem. Like, even closed source things. Just like go and tell people you've got a load of feedback. Um, like, even go talk to Heroku, um, go talk to, to anyone uh, that any product you use that actually makes money out of that shit. Just say, like, I've come across these problems, like, and you give them enough information, very good chance they'd be like, do you want to help us with that? Um, maybe not the massive companies, but even smaller ones, local companies that, you know, have a shit website. Or tell them how to fix it. Yeah, so essentially you're saying to be a PhD developer, to be a successful one, you just basically create your own opportunity and uh, tell people how to do things better, demonstrate it, and then uh, through hopefully logic and good bosses that can see logic, well, you'll get paid more. Hopefully, I might have just said the same thing twice, but the other, only other option really is just monster.com, right? Just shove your CV out there. You have to differentiate somehow. Um, and and I, the first thing I always look for when I'm trying to find someone is like, what code do they have? So that's why I've mentioned it a bunch of times. Have a nice CV, that helps. Make sure there aren't any yeah. spelling mistakes, that's good. But like, you have to have some way of differentiating yourself. And if you can show some clever article you wrote, some, something that shows that you know what you're talking about, that really helps if you're going through the standard job recruitment process, I guess. But I how'd, you guys, how'd you guys get picked up for your last opportunity that you may be still entertaining, if I can walk away with that? Well, I'd like to clarify, are we talking about a first job here, or are we talking about a next job? Because that changes the ballpark to me a lot. Yeah, there's, there's slow, uh, there's like career moves that you can kind of like things that will help you over time, and there's I need to start working next week. Those are both very different things. So to me, the the kind of next job, so like I hate my current job, I want to find something else, or maybe I just want more money. That is always about networking. Um, the first step, of course, is to have a portfolio, because what good is it to say, hey, I. Well, I'm out here, and then somebody Googles you, and they can't find anything. You need at least to have a portfolio work, like what Phil's talking about. But then next, on top of that, um, most of my jobs have came from networking. So things like this, the user group, um, conferences are a really big place. You would be shocked at the number of people that are at a conference simply trying to find other people to hire, because there's so many companies that need developers right now. And I wouldn't even go through it with the mindset of you know hitting all the booths and trying to talk about getting hired, but really just hang out at the conference and talk to people, talk about a cool side project you're working on or whatever, and those opportunities will just find their way to you. I don't think I've been to any conference where I haven't had someone ask me if I wanted a job. I think so. Networking would be my main my main thing for finding your next job. Same for me. My last job, um, as we were asked how that one happened, um, I I got my last job because somebody tried hiring a friend of mine. He was busy, and they he sent them to me. Um, so I'm that's networking basically. That's having good friends, having having you know, knowing people in the industry that that can help you. And even like I became friends with with this guy. Um, years ago because we were both working on the same open source project. Again, that's online networking, getting involved in things, just kind of meeting your peers. And then eventually as you all kind of grow a little bit together, somebody might get ahead and then, you know, someone will ask him, we need more developers, can you hire anyone for your company? Can you suggest anyone for me that I can talk to? All of those things happen from, from your peers and friends that you talk to online. And that, that shit all, take, all takes a long time. I can't think of any, you know, get, get rich quick approach. Apart from writing a book, hey, um, yeah, like net networking and like knowing, meeting people at conferences, those are the two things that got me my last job. And I literally, I got a message through Facebook at my <laughs> morning of somebody just saying like, hey, do you want to come work in New York? And I was like, 
Ooh. Tell me a story. Um, <laughs> networking, and and the reason, the reason like we got talking in the first place, open source work and blogging and chatting on Twitter. That's that's the source of it for me. Also, if there's any kind of niche you're interested in, um, like me and Phil were very interested in coding matter several years ago. We don't admit that much, but that's how we. When it was cool. Yeah, <laughs> back when it was cool. We actually met through the Coding Matter forums, through open source Coding Matter work. We both tried to hire each other several times. You know, it's um, it's a really good place. If you can find a niche in the technology community, maybe something that's kind of new or just something you, you can really sink a lot of time into, we'll get a ton of opportunities through there. Um, two jobs ago, I got that through Coding Matter forums. Um, actually, the last job I got was someone I met through Coding Matter open source work. And the current job I have now was in some way related to my open source work. So like Phil says, it is a longer play, but if you can get involved in a niche, that's like a surefire way to get a job in something you're interested in, as long as it's a niche you like. Actually, yeah, that's a, that's a good shout. Um, I went from the job that I hated with the financial services company. Whilst I was with them, um, I released, uh, I created and released uh, Coding Meta REST server. Um, it took me about a month or two to make based on stuff I learned while I was there. A month or two to make it, and then about a month after it had been released, I got a job offer from another company saying, hey, we're building coding later applications, um, and we'd really like uh, a REST server built in. We saw your coding later REST server. Would you like a job? And I was like, yeah. And that was me getting a job. <laughs> um, so making something awesome, um, or at least that you think is awesome, it really, I know it sounds like I'm just repeating the same thing, but it works sometimes a lot better than you think it would. Um, but I suppose uh, the only way to get an immediate job is to go to a recruiter and be like, I'm trying to find a job, mate, can you find me one? And they'll say, yeah, there's one over there. And it might be shit, but at least you get that done quickly. You said that was a fantastic answer. Thank you. Cool. That was a very long answer. Um, like one more question. I feel like we are getting uh, getting a bit close to time. Um, How long have we been going? <laughs> uh, my, my, I've got a question here. Um, it was uh, you both written books. Did you guys talk about that experience? Did you think it was good, successful, painful? Um, you know, how did it go for you? Uh, Ben's only written half a book. Has it finished yet? It's been finished, you asshole. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah um, so we've both written books. Mine's not quite as epic as Phil's. It's more the my book's more the beginner's guide to secure PHP apps. Which, if you want to send me some money, buildsecurephpapps.com. By the way, but no, um, mine's mine's fairly small. It wasn't that large of an effort, really. It's probably around 50 hours total. Um, I tried to add it up the other day, and that was my closest guess. And a lot of it has really been kind of learning, you know, the the tools around getting a product up on the web. Some like trying to learn how to market it and not sound like an asshole, basically. Um, People then, don't like it if you put too many efforts on your website. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so it's been uh, it's been a learning experience, and more for me. I kind of wanted to. It's not about the money. I'll, I'll tell you straight out. At this point, I made about four thousand dollars on it, which for the time I put in, I guess about evens out to my freelancing rate. Um, it's probably a little less than I would have made freelancing, but it's still making a little money every week. You know, so it'll probably at least pay for the time I put in. But it was it wasn't about the money. It was about just kind of adding it to my portfolio, and then also the learning experience of. You know, forcing myself to write a lot. I've always wanted to blog, but I can never seem to force myself to consistently blog. So it really helped me find, kind of find my voice in writing. And then also, it's it's something to help junior junior devs because I feel like security's overlooked a lot. Um, I've done a lot of work with authentication and various security aspects, and it seems like a lot of people just it's something easy to overlook when you're you're learning until you get to a certain level. You don't really take the time to learn maybe the best password hashing algorithm. So you just use MD5 because it's built on a nice developer or whatever. And then we see, you know, five years later, your company gets fairly big and you get hacked and then I have to go change my password and I hate changing my password. You know? So it's, um, I, I really wanted to just kind of help that way. And if, I'm, if I break even on my time, I'm happy. So, Phil? Yeah, that's the same as me. Uh, when I started, I started writing the, the book, the Build Your 
I can't mention the names, so I'm like, uh, build APIs you won't hate. Uh, when I started doing that, it was going to be a blog series, um, and I realized that to make it to, to, to make it of any decent quality, you have to put more time writing. Bill, um, you're very quiet. I apologize. Uh, I will be quite, I'll be louder. Um, so when, when you're writing a blog post, generally they're like an hour long, and they're not usually super high quality. Occasionally it's a bit sweary or a little bit whatever, depending on the mood. Um, but I realized that if I wanted to actually write there was going to be like 13, 14 chapters. And if I was going to do what I wanted to write justice, instead of just bashing out a blog post in an hour from the local pub, um, I, had to, I had to make it into a book. Otherwise, it would have just been not as cool as it could have been. Um, so again, that wasn't really about making a shitload of money. It was, it was more like, I want to do this. Hopefully, I'll get some money back. And luckily, it, it did all right. Um, and I, I feel... People have said, oh, you know, good book. What are you going to do next? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not an author. I just... Uh, I always blog about things that I'm doing, things that I think will help people, um, and I don't want to just start writing book after book after book after book. I can't really think of what I do now, so I think if, if, you, if you keep a blog and you write relatively often about new and interesting things, and you start to notice a, a theme come up, and that theme has got a lot of articles that you could theoretically write, that will probably naturally become the book that you write. Um, my friend Alex Bilby has written um, he's ended up writing loads and loads of uh, different bits of code for OAuth 1 and OAuth 2. Um, he's got the OAuth 2 server and client on the PHP League, and he's written chapter after chapter after chapter about OAuth, and now he's writing an OAuth book. It's, you find yourself falling into these niches, and you have these interests, and you start to really work on them and iron them out, and then when that kind of happens, you're like, oh, shit, I, now I'm an author, I guess. But um, I definitely wouldn't try and knock out too many books just for the sake of it, you can always tell. If someone wrote a book just for the sake of trying to make money, you can you can just smell that. You can it's just shit when they do. Um, and I know a few that have done that recently. Um, but Lean Pub, Lean Pub's a great way to go. If you try doing it for packs, packs offer you I think a thousand pounds as an advance, and then you get like ten percent of the book sales. So you will get nothing but a slap in the face if you work for Pact. Um, and that book will never sell anyway. So go Lean Pub. It's pretty good. Yeah, I was really happy with them, and the tool chains are really nice too. You, you write your entire thing in Markdown, you push it to Git, or you just hook it up in Dropbox, and then you're pretty much done. You generate previews and check out your PDF and maybe do some formatting. They handle the shopping cart and everything for you. They're, they're all looking at me really blankly. I don't know if anyone else has a question. Anyone else? Great, finally. Right, here's someone next. Hello. So uh, what is the most recent thing that uh, in the PHP world has made you guys kind of go, hey, that's pretty cool, or you know, I'm really looking forward to using this, or something of that nature? Uh, good question, Greg. Thank you. Um, I, I think it's an old tool. It's been around a while, but Fing. I'm not sure if I've already named that as a thing on the last episode. Let me know, Ben, if I have. Um, I've actually really been enjoying using Fing because uh, when uh, when you're doing stuff like uh, continuous integration, you know, you've got Travis set up and you've got, uh, you want to run your unit tests locally and you've realized that you want to do syntax checking locally and you want to run um, code sniffer and you want to run an automatic API document generation thing. You have all of that locally and it all, it's like this, uh, this executable file is installed via Composer. This one is installed on the server. Uh, these configuration switches have to be done. This is where the paths are. It gets really confusing to try and remember each and every single command that you have to write. Um, and then you do end up writing it locally, and it, it works one way on your computer, but it works a different way if you use Travis or a different way if you use Jenkins. And you have all these different commands that are all messed up. Um, if you start using Fing on Travis, locally and Jenkins or wherever it is that you do stuff, you can just say like thing generate docs, thing test, and then test can be broken down into unit tests, integration tests, lint checking. Um, we've used it at Pyro CMS where we're like uh, thing distribute, and that will try and make a zip file. Before it does that, it has to build it, so it takes all of the files and puts them into a new folder called build. Um, and then before it can do that, it has to test that all the, all the syntax is working. And before it does that, it runs unit tests and all this stuff. And they all chain up and depend on each other. And it's just a really, really fucking awesome way of saying, like, does my code work? Whatever, do this, do that, do that. Um, and I've only started using it recently, so I consider it a new thing. Ben? I would say probably the built-in PHP server has been um, something I've come to appreciate lately. 
I tend to jump projects a lot, so I use different versions of PHP, and the ability to just fire up the server, the local command line server, and run it on whether version of PHP I want, and it's just for that one project, is really, really come in handy. Um, also, there's uh, some kind of REPL aspects that are available now, which are really nice. Um, so you can do live debugging, which is really kicks ass. Um, other than that, shorter way syntax, because it doesn't matter at all, but it saves me several characters, and that just makes my fucking day. <laughs> I think it. we've got to the point now where you can like get away with using PHP 5.4 just purely for the array syntax. I remember, writing a blog, I remember writing a whole blog post like a year ago about if you use 5.4 just for the array syntax, then you're probably an asshole. But now, a year later, I'm like, if you want to go, go on, it's fine, it's fine, I'll, I'll let you off. It's totally worth it. Yeah. Well, it's mostly, obviously, I have a vested interest in everything. So with Pyro CMS, uh, we were just kind of recoding to be 5.3. And I could see a lot of people using, like, requiring 5.4 just for that array bollocks. And I was like, no, we're trying to catch up with new code, and it's kind of running away from us. Um, so I wrote that blog post about, like, really, you're going to not let me use your package because you can't be bothered to type array bracket, you selfish prick. Um, but now, a year later, the next major version is going to 5.4. So we've got that 5.3 version we can use. And then we can use the 5.4 version next. So we can use the next, uh, we can use Guzzle 4 with, with Piracy MS 3, for example. So if you kind of want to have one version 5.3 just to keep that around for a month or two, then, then you might get a postcard from me instead of some hate mail. <laughs> well, uh, actually, speaking of Piracy MS, we had the segue here. We had a question from a viewer that says, uh, they want to ask Phil about Pyro. I think this is an awesome CMS, but it's not very well known where he's from in Latin America, uh, specifically Colombia. Do you, uh, do you have any marketing plans or any tips on how to get the word out, basically? And he just really likes you. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Um, hit me up, phil at pyrocms.com, and we'll work something out. Um, interesting fact, Domino's Columbia is currently running on PyroCMS, so it's better known in Columbia than you probably think. Um, yeah, I have no I have no real stuff, and I don't think it's too interesting for people anyway, so hit me up, phil at pyrocms.com, and we'll have a chat about that. Done. Stop, stop staring at me blankly. We're done. Uh, <laughs> Any other questions? Yeah. Phil, what's the best argument you got into on the internet? Uh, can I go with most recent? <laughs> um, yesterday, uh, we got it, well, two days ago now, because it's tomorrow now. Um, we got into an argument with Sorry? Sorry, bad job. Carry on. Uh, the, other, uh, the other day, somebody um, got really sad that we asked him to merge conflicts in a PR he sent, which changed half of our files. Um, he then uh, proceeded to uh, basically sulk, insult everybody, fork it, change the license, remove credits, refuse to add a, a, a pull request ISA and added the credits back in. When we complained about that and pointed out we might have to give him a DMCA, he then contacted a lawyer whose email address is mrmilitarylawyer at gmail.com. It was fucking hilarious. The whole thing, I kind of want to blog about it because you couldn't write this stuff. Um, if you look at the guy's website... Oh, Bill? Yeah, I think it was Bill. So, um... I, I think that's the story. I think that guy just hacked his account. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get, Phil. So it's actually pretty hard to tell if the guy was a troll or not, because it was so, um, like, he had just the cheesiest picture you could imagine with, like, bleach blonde hair. Like, obviously, bleach blonde, and he was an older fella. And uh, all his responses were incredibly, you know, inflammatory. But he eventually came around, I guess, after they threatened the, uh, the takedown notice. He kind of uh, relented and added the attributions back. But yeah, he had he completely removed all the copyrights, tried to claim it as his own because he had more lines of code changed in the uh, the main project. And so apparently, in his eyes, that meant that uh, the copyright was now in that level. It was a fun time on the internet. And uh, since Phil is dead, I'll go ahead and uh, go with one of mine, I guess. It's not really an argument, because I don't really argue that much like Phil does. It's kind of a hobby for Phil. Uh, but for me, I wrote a, it was a satirical piece on basically why PHP sucks. And it was um, mostly based on like PHP back when it was PHP 3. But I wrote this like a couple weeks ago, just trying to just have some fun, basically. 
And uh, I get a lot of fun comments on that with people pretty enraged that, you know, I say uh, an endless loop in PHP takes forever. Or, you know, the uh, magic quotes are still going on strong, stuff like that. That's been fun for me, but it seems to upset quite a few people. Well, uh, ben, uh, we already try and encourage people to go to conferences here. What's your best conference experience? Um, this is kind of not appropriate for I guess the best conference I've ever been to was the TwilioCon. And it's, uh, if you don't know what Twilio is, it's a basically generic SMS API. Uh, they also do voice, so basically any telephony stuff you need to do, you can do through their API. And they're really geared towards developers because they make it super simple. But the reason the conference was great wasn't necessarily the topic, but it was more of just the speakers. They have really top-notch speakers and the networking available. Um, I personally feel that it's good to get outside of our little bubble of PHP sometimes. And it's good to kind of interact with um, other communities and you know people outside of their immediate vicinity. So it's not just a echo chamber. And that was that was one of the best to me really because you just had you had a little bit of every developer community there. They were almost with developers that all used Twilio for the most part. But it was a, a good kind of smorgasbord of developer life, and I made a lot of good connections there and met a lot of new friends. And it was really good to get different outside perspectives that weren't just PHP land. Um, outside of that, I, I don't know. I haven't really been to any of the kind of big PHP conferences like uh, Tech or um, I guess PHP Day is a pretty big one. It's like that. Uh, so I don't know. I'm PHP specific. I enjoyed the conference I've been to. Um, more recently, it's Ski PHP. That was a really good time. Utah and uh, a little ski, so can't can't go wrong there. For anyone though, I really recommend go. It doesn't matter how big it is, how small it is, whatever. Um, just go to, go to a conference. You will meet friends there. You'll meet uh, connections, whatever, and you'll really expand your network. And it's a, it's a good thing to kind of open your eyes to more than just your your immediate vicinity of developers and resources. You'll learn a lot. See a lot of new technologies. Uh, one thing I also recommend is don't just uh, you know don't just show up at the conference and leave when it's over. Try to find out like where the speaker hotel is because usually speakers all stay at the same hotel, and usually the lobby of the speaker hotel is going to be filled with developers, basically just chatting all night long. Find out where that is, show up, maybe bring a you know pizza or a thing of beer, or whiskey or something to kind of offer as a peace offering. Peace offering. You show up and chat. Um, Speakers are not a unicorn. They're not going to look down on you because you're not speaking. They don't think they're better. They actually are probably more self-conscious than you because they are speaking. And uh, the more the merrier. So I really recommend finding Super Hotel and showing up in the lobby. We'll make a lot of great friends and we'll hang out all night and chat about nerdy topics. Cool. Anyone else have a final question? Um, Scott, you've been intimidated a little bit. What was that? Yeah, we were just here for Phil, so. Oh, they said they were only here for Phil, so they could have done with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you uh, for letting us come join your uh, podcast, podcast type thing, whatever it is you do in the internet. And uh, I know it's about time for us to, to move on. And uh, thanks very much. And we'll give Phil uh, in memoriam and Ben a round of applause. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks to the listeners and viewers for joining us for episode 26 of PHP Town Hall. See you next time. Cheerio.